Hello, I'm Dr. Beverly Wright, Executive Director of the Business Analytics Center at Georgia Tech. This is the Analytics Buzz, a podcast about trends, tools, techniques, and talent related to data science and analytics. Our podcast uses an interview format with industry and academic leaders and is intended for analytics-interested business professionals from the U.S. and beyond. Thank you again for listening to the Analytics Buzz. With us today, we have Michael Schmidt, Chief Technology Officer from Newtonian, and we're talking about developing analytical models using artificial intelligence. Welcome to the Analytics Buzz, Michael. Hi, Beverly. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't you give us a little background and and tell us why you're so cool? Well, I'm uh, a data scientist by trade, and I got my start at the AI lab at Cornell University. And back then, I was in my grad school program, I was surrounded by people that were doing basically hardcore physics, biology, and engineering. And the the inspiration for me is I saw a lot of these people spending the first couple of years designing experiments and collecting data. And then the next several years, basically being hardcore mathematics and statistics to try to see what that data was telling them. Mm -hmm. So I basically focused all my energy on, you know, there's got to be a better way. And could we use AI to help those scientists really bootstrap explanations from data. And that's really where I got my start, and I got, got out of school and found Newtonian based on some of the research I was doing to help them help them do that. Awesome. How long have you been at Newtonian? So I founded Newtonian in 2011, and we've been growing a company ever since. Very nice. Okay, great. Well, thanks for being here. Uh, so we're talking about analytical models using artificial intelligence. And so just to kind of set the stage, not, not in the context of anything in particular, but what is artificial intelligence? We hear about, you know, AI this and AI that, but what, what, in, what is it in general? No, that, that's a great question. So I think there's a ton of confusion out there around yes. what artificial intelligence is. And I just had an article in TechCrunch where I tried to kind of lay out what I, how I perceive the field to sort of look. So to me... You know, artificial intelligence is actually a very, very broad term, and that might be where some of this confusion comes from. Is it, it includes everything from, at least to me, from robotics to machine learning to machine intelligence to expert systems to natural language processing to so all these different subfields. It kind of links those together. But the higher concept is it's the field in computer science that's helping machines do intelligent things. Right, things you normally see a human doing. And I think a lot of times, at least in um, popular culture, AI tends to be linked with robotics and movies and things like this. But mm-hmm. I think, to me, AI is much broader. Right, It's also things that are like you know, detecting fraud in your credit card right? or detecting intrusions into a network or recommending products. It really captures all of those things. Very nice. Now, why would we want machines to do those things instead of us? Like, what are, is it because they're dangerous? What are some of the applications that make sense? Well, if you, look sort of the hit, yeah, if you look back at sort of the, the history of AI, right, there's always, always, there's always been this belief that we can use computers and technologies to do things that humans wouldn't normally be able to do on their own. Mm-hmm. Right? Who's going to sift through thousands of credit card transactions to, to sort of pick out the fraudulent transactions and things like this. This is a really, really massively scaled problem that machines are excellent at doing, but you know, humans really aren't. Mm. And if you look sort of this, 
historically backward at sort of origins of AI, going back several decades, you know, the first sort of real surgeons they had was around expert systems where basically computer scientists program in rules and logic and try to program, way to program that hacks intelligently. But those really didn't get very far because, you know, the humans had to basically, you know, the people programming it, you know, the capabilities are sort of limited to those machines, to what they could, what they could themselves program into the machines. So those have really fallen out of favor. And more recent sort of surgeons in AI is around using data, right? So learning those rules from scratch. And that's where I see all the, the recent developments for the past, you know, 10 to 20 years and why we're seeing all this excitement around AI is that we have data that allows us to not just automate some things that we used to do by hand, but now do completely new things because we can bootstrap that from the data directly. So it's been kind of you know, interesting to see this matter of all. Very nice. Um, so when we talk about artificial intelligence, and I appreciate that background, that's interesting, uh, how does it relate when we're dealing with building analytical models? Oh, so this gets into the area of artificial intelligence that, that I personally love. Mm -hmm. right? So the, the way I got started was you know, I wanted to help scientists bootstrap explanations from data. Mm -hmm. So take a bunch of observations and think about what's the best hypothesis on how something works. Or building a model of a system based purely on you know, a data set or a handful of observations. And if you look at most of artificial intelligence applications today, or especially in machine learning, they're building models to predict things. And we've gotten really, really good at building statistically accurate models of things. But one of the things we have not done very well, at least traditionally, has been building analytical models, which means meaningful patterns that you can interpret and understand. Right? So an analytical pattern not only predicts something, but also explains and hypothesizes basically you know, what are the causal impacts or the causal effects, mm -hmm. literally the, the laws of physics of how something works. And that's a, it's a, it's a harder problem. That's basically what I focused on when I was in grad school before I found Newtonian, was we used to have computers think like a scientist or a physicist would to sort of explain things. And you know, while I was still in grad school, you know, I was working on algorithms to do this, and eventually had a breakthrough that we published in science where we took a computer and we went back and we recreated some very famous historical discoveries. Like we took Tycho Brahe's data about the orbits of the planets and deduced Kepler's law of orbital mechanics, or we deduced Newton's theory of gravity from raw observations. So we had the first AI that could think like a physicist could and come back with like literally the law of physics. And that's what uh, I think AIs now you know, couldn't do before. It's a much harder computational task, but we're starting to see it being used in practice, especially with, you know, here in Etonia. Gotcha. Um, and humans are, are very imperfect, you know, and so if we're trying to um, do things that we can't do, I can I get that. Why would we copy some of the things that we that we are doing if we're so imperfect? You know, so can you speak to that part some as far as how we account for the craziness of of being human? Yeah, you know, that's another great great question. And a lot of things, at least a lot of people I talk to, they worry about there being hidden bias mm -hmm. in, in decisions that go on. Right? So 
you know, we see a lot of in a lot of companies, you know, if someone wants to get something done or they're leading some some project, you can search for statistics to support almost anything or any conclusion that you want. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get a purely unbiased, impartial analysis sometimes. But where and that's just, you know, human nature, right? It comes about, you know, all over the place. One way that artificial intelligence can help that is if you give a much less biased view based on purely on what the data is telling you. So we can come up with now similar conclusions or similar insights or recommendations, but it's not necessarily programmed to, to favor one idea or the other. So it can give you a more neutral view, which might help overcome some of the you know, shortcomings or, or human limitations that might normally interfere with what we do with data and decisions. Yep, yep, I got you. Okay, and so if we're if we're using artificial intelligence um, in this manner, what are some of the better applications? Like, there must be some places where um, it fits more so than other places. Is that by vertical? Is that by business questions? What does that look like? So I would say summarize it as any, any place you have a lot of data, mm-hmm. but not not create a perfect understanding of what produced it or how that system worked. If there's uh, a gap in your understanding mm-hmm. but you have a lot of information about it, this is an area where artificial intelligence can have a profound impact. Right? You can make discoveries that drive new lines of business or you know, incredibly changes the speed you're able to do certain things and the impact you're able to have. So that, that's why I would characterize the types of problems. And a few of those that we, that we run across we see is Manufacturing processes. Um, Any time you have a really complex system that's you know, potentially producing a lot of data, like deliveries or sensors, or you know how things get treated before they become into a product, you know, uh, there's a ton of information, but it's such a complex system that typically there's no one person that really understands how that entire system works. And if you want to go about optimizing that or mm-hmm. improving the efficiency of it. You really need tools to help you analyze and you know make use of the, the information you're collecting about it. So the kinds That's of that, the kinds of problems. Uh, it, it sounds like it's more about the data itself, but also the kinds of problems that are um, somewhat unclear from the get go. But you know, there's um, I, I guess I'm going to use the term hidden. You know, there's there's some kind of hidden pattern or some kind of algorithm that, that can be emerged from it, but you don't know exactly even what your business questions are, and you have a, a tremendous amount of data. Does that summarize? Actually? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, if, you, if you know that there's something that's causing, there's got to be something that's driving or impacting some things that you care about in that data set, mm-hmm. AI can now basically pinpoint what's relevant, what's not, and how that appears to work. Right. And that's been using we've only been able to do in the past you know, a couple of years here. And, it, and they use the term um, causal, you know, it's a very, I, I'm really careful. My students know how ridiculously careful I am about using that term because to be able to say that a model has, um, you know, is causal, you have to have certain conditions, it's got to be really tight, and it has to be, you know, solid, beyond solid. So that sounds, and so the applications, they sound great in many, many places, um, different types of applications and companies could use it. Lots of benefits, but... Not everybody is doing this. So what are some of the barriers? Is it cultural? Is it technologically based? Why is not everybody doing this? You know, I think it's a little bit, it's a combination of those two things. I mean, a lot of times people 
you know, um, think they have to do a ton of extra processing on the data before they can even apply it. That's not necessarily true today. A lot of stuff can be automated, not all of it, but some of it can. Um, other times, um, uh, there is some um, some lag in terms of even when you have the result, you know, how do you go about verifying and deploying and those sorts of things? But what's interesting or what's new is that a lot of those those time frames that used to be big major projects, you typically hire you know, consulting companies to come in here and pay you know, a couple million dollars to analyze their data. Um, today, that can be done extremely fast, like days uh, to do to do and iterate on some major results. So a lot of that is people haven't had experience or exposure to applying AI and machine learning to the data they have, and they they really haven't seen what what some of the newer stuff can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, some of it to me, I think, is, is awareness. Mm-hmm. And part of it's really ambiguity on, all right, what does AI actually do? Is it something that's relevant to me? Does my data need to be perfect to run certain formats? Um, a lot of that is just an awareness problem. And you know, my advice would be some of that stuff has become much, much easier than it has been in the past. And you can actually see what's possible today you have relatively quickly if you're working with the right tools and the right people. Gotcha. Do you think some of it is fear-driven, that, you know, they don't understand really what AI means and that there's these robots that are going to come in and replace everybody from from the uh, data science team? I mean, is, is some of this fear-driven? You know, I don't know. That's a question I hear that, that comes up quite frequently. Are robots going to take jobs? And mm-hmm. kind of like every day there's a new quote from either Elon Musk or... Stephen Hawking or something about this, where robots are going to take over our jobs and AI is going to ruin the world. But mm-hmm. I don't necessarily see that that happening, especially the people that we're talking to. But that might be a selection bias. You know, gotcha. The reality is that you know it's. I see AI is allowing us to do things much, much more quickly than we have in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, similar to how you know PCs were, were intended. We're expected to make you know the the paperless office, but once we had PCs and printers, like paper consumption exploded right? because people are now doing more; they're printing on their own, that sort of thing. With AI, the analogy is instead of having to manually do a whole bunch of different processes or pour over spreadsheets and visualizations, you can now iterate on the final outputs. Right? So you can set up the data, the inputs. And the machines can do the, the pattern finding, the, the analysis, and summarize most useful results. Mm-hmm. And then you can now apply your domain expertise on that final output rather than having to micro-tune it or program it every step along the way. So I think that the people and the, the people that are, are working on these types of positions, these types of products already, will be doing the same types of things, but just at a much larger scale and much more, much more quickly. And at least that's my my view on it. Okay. Okay. Um, where do you think this is going? What's on the horizon? Is it is it more of the same, but maybe we see more acceptance, or do you see different applications happening, or is it something else altogether? Like, what do you see in the future for this? You know, to me, I think there are so many law hanging fruit mm-hmm. applications out there for these um, for this technology, from just optimizing who to hire and where, where to open stores. There's a ton of things that have been done ad hoc as businesses grow. Mm-hmm. And optimizing those 
through the data that people already have can have enormous impact, like tens of to hundreds of thousands of dollars of impact on these these processes, just from the scale of the way businesses are run and the complexity of the systems it just hasn't nailed and cracked before. But this is a problem that AI was just perfectly poised to set up to do today. So I see some companies are already benefiting from this, but they tend to be the much, much more tech-savvy companies like Google, Amazon, Facebook. Um, and it's really those are the companies that can recruit this really, really top, top-tier data science talent. You know, larger companies like um, Walmart or Rio Tinto or Monsanto or some of these large, large companies, um, they have some great data scientists there, but not nearly as many as these tech, you know, big tech giants are. And that's where I see as the tools, the technology gets better, it'll be easier and easier for I mean, larger companies to have the same impacts, the same results as you know, some of the other ones. Nice. Great. Uh, what piece of advice, one piece of advice, would you give an analyst professional interested in artificial intelligence analytical models? So someone listens to this, they learn more about your research, what you're doing at Newtonian. They go, oh, wow, that sounds great. Like, what what advice would you give someone, practically speaking? Oh, great question. Um, well, think about the data you have and, you know, figure out a test for, for AI. What's a problem you would love to predict and know the answer to? Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you're interested in working with Newtonian, you know, reach out to me and, and try this stuff out. It's relatively straightforward. It's relatively easy to, to see what's possible. It's just a matter of crunching the numbers and pouring over the data for a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I took a look at Eureka myself, and it, when you are looking at it from the outside, it looks it looks relatively simple. So we're talking about all these things and how we're emulating the brain and our cognitive processes and things that humans couldn't do, but. When you actually look at it from an outsider perspective, it doesn't feel that intimidating. <laughs> so, but, and maybe that's part of it is, is people expect it to be, you know, maybe they have to know uh, all about the inner workings, but that's that's kind of the point, isn't it, that they don't need to know all about the inner workings. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, particularly for us, you know, historically a lot of machine learning AI has, has been around building very complex black box classifiers get higher and higher accuracy. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we focused on is is the transparency of the model, where there might be a complicated process in the AI that's producing or refining these patterns, but the end result should be something you can interpret and reason about. And you know, getting back to some of the other questions, where you know, one of the other values of that is it can naturally work with maybe some of the statistical tools companies are using already, like you know, SAS or... Um, SPSS or Tableau. You know, if the a lot of times AI might need a lot of libraries, machine learning models to work. It's hard to actually make the APIs work together. But if you have a simple analytical model, it makes it really easy to you know, both sort of interpret and deploy the model when you need to. Nice. Well, very good. Well, thank you again, Michael Schmidt from Newtonian, Chief Technology Officer. By the way, I saw that you were listed on uh, seven most powerful data scientists on Forbes. <laughs> very nice. Oh, oh, yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, and thank yeah, you for being. Very yeah, I bet. Thanks for being on the Analytics Buzz. Yeah, thank you again. Thanks again for listening to the Analytics Buzz, a podcast about trends, tools, techniques, and talent related to data science and analytics. 
please connect with the Business Analytics Center at Georgia Tech via our website. And join my network on LinkedIn, Dr. Beverly Wright, Executive Director of the Business Analytics Center. Thanks again and have a great data set.